Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Welcome to Real Presence Radio's Awaken and Good Morning. This is your host, Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joe Holcraft, who joins us as usual from Canton, Ohio. Morning, Joe. How's it going? It is going well. Top of the morning to you, brothers. As always, great to be with you. Awesome. Thank you. I love it. Top of the morning. That, that's. I feel like we, we just went back to England. <laughs> You know, we just back to Charles Dickens. Top of the morning to you, or, or even and maybe it's maybe it's Ireland because I just started to do an Irish accent, which I do not have. <laughs> so awesome, awesome with well, Joe. It's great to be with you. You know, we're um, gosh, it feels like it's been a little while. It really has only been a couple of weeks, but um, between a great holiday of Thanksgiving um, and Joe, there's there's been a lot happening here uh, in our the Real Presence Radio Network area. Uh, Real Presence Radio, our staff, we've been really busy with a lot going on. Um, I don't know about for you in Ohio. Um, that's not true. I know you've been busy too. <laughs> uh, not only with your work with the Avila Institute, but I know you just briefly mentioned that one of the shows you'll be you'll be doing with Dan and Stephanie Burke with their Divine Intimacy program, right, Joe? Is that what I is that what I understood? Yeah, yeah. It was more work related this time around, talking about the High Calling program, uh, our formation program for men discerning the priesthood, and so yeah, that'll probably air in about a week and a half. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. I know we air Divine Intimacy. I know we do one uh, at least Sunday nights. I think from ten to ten thirty. I know we air uh, one round of it. Um, sure. But from our end, in this for our listeners here in the Real Presence Radio Network area, we've been very blessed. Uh, we just had three banquets. We have, Joe, we have a banquet season, if you will. We yeah. have three banquets, you know. Like and, well, we do, we do eight banquets a year. This is actually the first year that we were actually able to do all eight uh, planned for banquets. So that was very exciting for us. You know, a great sign of, the, of our markets and the, the community, the Real Presence Radio community, just really being able to identify with just a group as a whole and celebrate the Catholic faith uh, amongst our Real Presence Radio listeners uh, throughout Minnesota, North South Dakota. So last week, Joe, we were up in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, and then over to Rapid City, South Dakota, and then closing it out in Aberdeen, South Dakota. So so the southern part of the Dakotas, uh, we are blessed to be with as well as Bismarck. Uh, the state's capital for North Dakota. And just, Joe, there was just a great, there's, it was, there was an electricity in the air. There, it mm. was really exciting mm. uh, to share that time with, uh, with our listeners. Um, you know, and of course, radio, you know, you often hear the joke, someone says, I have a great face for radio. <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, well, <laughs> one of the blessings for us with those banquets is, you know, you get out from behind the microphones and out behind the studio in front of people. So you get to engage, really engage and build those relationships. And so 
we love the opportunities of the banquets that the banquets provide for us, let alone being a fundraiser, you know, and I think God has really blessed that. Um, but then too, uh, we had a great event within our network uh, for the Diocese of Crookston yesterday or earlier this week um, with Bishop Cousins, Bishop Andrew Cousins being named the eighth bishop for the Diocese of Crookston. Of course, Amen. that's that's an exciting thing for me, being a, you know, a former, not just parishioner within the Diocese of Crookston, but having worked for the diocese and in the diocese. Um, I'm so excited for the people of God. And Crooks and frankly, Catholic, non-Catholics alike, you know, because that's that's who the bishops really call to minister to all the people, right? And I think we forget that. I think sometimes we're just like, oh, it's the Catholics. He's a Catholic bishop, but Bishop Andrew Cousins is poised and ready to engage any and all by the grace of God. Um, and so we pray for him. We pray for the priests of the Diocese of Crookston to develop that great relationship with their new bishop, the new spiritual father. So lots of blessings. Joe is incredible, incredible. Mm. You know, I mm. don't think the cathedral, the Immaculate Conception, that's the cathedral in Crookston. I don't think they're used to seeing. I think there was 15, 16 bishops there, a couple of wow. them being archbishops. Of course, the wow. the Apostolic Nuncio Archbishop Christophe Pierre was there. Um, and we had a chance, we had a chance to interview uh, some of those guys on Road Presence Live on Monday. And um, so it was, it was a great blessing for us, great blessing for me and, and just for Real Presence Radio too, and hopefully for our listeners to hear from this, this wide array of bishops, archbishops, uh, Bishop Cousins himself, uh, and just, you know, what are people feeling? And we got to interview one of the seminarians. Joe, it was just, it was a great day. It's been a blessed week. And I realized we need to pray. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and do that, and then we can even. There's, I mean, there's more. There's more to say, but let's let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for an incredibly blessed week uh, of holy days, the holiday of Thanksgiving, the two the blessings that you have lavished upon Real Presence Radio with the relationships, getting to know more people, inviting more people to listen to you, to your word, and how you would use Real Presence Radio so that you can be glorified, that more and more souls can be drawn to you. And we pray this this morning, Lord, that you would use Awaken to draw as many souls to you as possible. Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession. Through your intercession, you would continue to awaken in us. Uh, Awaken in us the heart of your son, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. But Joe, amidst, amidst the many activities and a lot going on, well, gosh, we're, we're just, we're immersed in a richness of holy days uh, this week and next, aren't we? There's some incredible, great yeah, gifts of solemnities and holy days. Um, you know, today, we're in the, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So I hope, listeners, I hope you're tuning in to find out what mass time you can get to at your parish. Um, but two, uh, you know, we have the Feast of St. Juan Diego, who, you know, 
we'll just we'll blow that open. That's going to be our saint today, huh? And yeah, we're excited yep, to talk about yep, Saint Juan look Diego. To it. Um, but Joe, I mean, you, you got the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the patroness of the new evangelization. So she's, you know, we're we're begging for her intercession all the time with Real Presence Radio and just mm-hmm. in the, the overall mission of the new evangelization. And and truly, we we could launch into that for our show if we wanted to. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. <clears throat> Joe, let's let's dive in uh, to today. Um, you know, again, we, we continue to explore the questions that Jesus is asking, and so today we're picking up from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, um, and it, it, verses forty-three to forty-eight. And Joe, I was just about to say, you know, as I started diving into that, I really feel like, okay, well, here we are. We're going into a Bible study, and it's not really, I don't know, so much that our aim is to do a Bible study or another Bible study. The Bible studies are great. But really, and to enter, it's, you know, in Bible study, it's always the goal is to enter into the person of Jesus Christ. But really, we're, we're exploring these questions, and he's asking great questions. And I, I just don't think that's, you know, we're so used to just asking the Lord questions, constantly in prayer, asking questions. And maybe uh, if we're doing well, then we, we actually stay, we stay quiet to listen to the answers. But I don't know that we're always pondering that when Jesus is asking questions, what he's doing, what his aim that he's he's already forming us. He's answering yeah. our questions by the questions he's asking. So uh let's pick it up. Verse 43 to 48. Quote You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father, for he makes his son rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Question one. Do not the tax collectors do the same? Question two. And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Question three. Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. Joe, there's four questions right there, and Jesus is going after it. And I'd love to hear. Let's let's break this open. Yeah. So I think for starters, Mark, what we have to do, as we've done in the past, is to situate these set of verses within the larger construct. And I think the best way to do that is to appreciate that uh, this is Matthew chapter five, verses forty-three to forty-eight, the tail end of his treatment of the law. Right. So the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapters five to seven. It opens up famously with the Beatitudes. And then in verse 17, we transition. And and Mark, verse 17 is very important because Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so then he offers up these kind of six statements, if you will. And then he explains um, these statements. You have heard it said this way. Let me show you another way. And by doing so, he's illustrating for us that uh, there was a way of doing it. And now I'm giving you a new way. I'm going to turn inside out how you think about the law. And of course, after chapter five and into chapter six, you get our Lord's treatment of prayer, fasting and almsgiving. So in between the Beatitudes and this call to pray, fast, and give alms, we have an explanation of the law. 
and, and, and a deeper uncovering of the law, if you will. Now, to get at this, as I think we ought, and specifically even the questions here in a bit, is to first take up the question of what is the law? Or if you were in the mind of the Jew, how were you, how are you interpreting the law? Because in those verses you read, Mark, he's, <laughs> what did he say? You have heard it said, and then he goes on to explain what it means to love neighbor, which, oh, by the way, is his last example that he gives, which, again, we'll talk about that as well. But what does it mean to talk about the law? Well, it's interesting, Mark, because the Hebrew word for law in the Old Testament, uh, where we get the word Torah, yada, right, yada, that is a word that best translates as, uh, it was an archery term, and it was to set your bow so as to hit the mark or so as to hit bullseye. So the law of the old covenant was given. The law of the Ten Commandments were given so as to set yourself up for success, so as to set yourself up to hit bullseye if you'll hit the mark. Incidentally, Mark, uh, what we're talking about here is the language of covenant. What was the first great sign of the old covenant? But the rainbow can go inside that Hebrew. The bow in the sky is what? But a sign of God's love, a sign of God's love, a bow. That was not coincidental, but certainly God intentional. Uh, so that being said, w- what is the importance of how we are called to love and, and how we are how we are called to live a moral life? Well, Joel, and well, let, let, if, me, Joel let me interject real quick. And I, I do want to come back to uh the context of how are we called to love and live a moral life. And yet, Joe, the counterpart, because I just think maybe our listeners know this, but you know, so the law to say your arrow to hit the mark. And, and yet, what does it mean to sin? The literal translation is the sin is to miss the mark also in the context of archery, right? Yes, you know, so, that's right. Yes. Uh, so to and, live and, in the law is to, is to counter that life of sin in a yes, nutshell. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, and that's, that's the point to be had there, Mark, because the Hebrew word for sin is kata, right? When you say kata as a Hebrew, you hear yada, right? We, it's, we are made to juxtapose those two. Those two. Uh, St. Paul translates this, right? In the New Testament, the Greek New Testament, when he talks about sin and living according to the law of God, or rather, if you don't live according to the law of God, you are in sin in the Greek hamartia, which, as you noted, Mark, translates as to miss the mark. So when you're talking about the law, okay, you're talking about you're talking about hitting the mark or missing the mark. What does all of this have to do with Jesus and this language of love? Well, uh, think about the questions that our Lord asks here, Mark. I mean, <laughs> for if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? So he's calling out the mere observance of of the letter of the law, of you, if you will. And he wants you to go inside of that and kind of rediscover the essence of law, which, again, in the mind of the Old Testament, Mark, uh, <laughs> is not something on the external or exterior, but rather something on the inside, something that deals with the interior, which is relationship with God. If you lived according to the law of God, right, in the Ten Commandments and the, what is it, 636 laws laid out there in the book of Leviticus, you are, you have set yourself up to be in relationship with God. Yet, 
what Jesus wants to show us is that, yes, I have not come to abolish the law, but give it a deeper fulfillment. It's no longer about circumcision, this outward sign, uh, but rather now baptism, this interior reality that I have given you a very special grace to first and foremost be in relationship with me. So if the old law was about circumcision, uh, to be in covenant relationship with God, the new law was about baptism. And so he's orienting his listeners to understand that the law is about the interior life, which means what, Mark? I mean, this really is the question that Jesus asks. What is the point of all this? Is it not the more difficult way? You love those you love those who love you. <laughs> How difficult is that? Love those who persecute you. Understand that what it means to be a Christian and Catholic is at its core a self-offering. You know, it's Romans 12 verses 1 and following that our very lives are to be a holy and acceptable offering to God. This is what it means to love. Love is an action verb. And while yes, being obedient to, to some of the external laws was and still is very important, obviously, especially when it comes to the natural law. But but please be present to the reality of this interior law, this law which represents relationship. I mean, think about it, Mark. Um, you and I are both married. Right? If I was talking to someone and say it was in your presence and I was talking to about my relationship with Jackie, my wife. And I said things like, yeah, our marriage is wonderful. Our marriage is awesome. We, you know, we don't cheat on each other. Um, we don't lie to each other. We haven't killed each other yet. We certainly haven't committed adultery. I mean, <laughs> We're what kind high, of conversation is that, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> Jesus is saying, yeah, fo- follow the Ten Commandments. There's great depth there. I've not come to abolish that. But understand that there is a new grace that is, that has been given to you. And it is the grace of, of divine sonship, which has been inscribed on your heart. And in that grace, you will know and have the strength to love more deeply as I love you. And of course, we know what that love looks like on the cross. And this is what Jesus wants us to see. This is what is radically new to this new uh, covenant dispensation, this new Christian dispensation or what you know, the first Christians called the way and, and the way capital T and capital W Mark was about following Jesus all the way to the cross. It, it was a circumcision of the heart. And so as you as we reflect into this and we look more deeply into these questions, we have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves the fundamental question. Are we so caught up in being faithful to the letter of the law? without recognizing that there's a deeper dimension to it, right? Uh, Something very important for all of us here, at least from the outset, Mark, we have to be asking that question. And certainly uh, the more detailed questions that Jesus asks here are are very important for us to consider as well. So Joe, let's, uh, let's just pick up right there. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you know, you you just, you just laid, you laid the, uh, the seed down. And so when we come back, Let's dive into this more uh, and let it stir in our hearts because there's so much here. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken on Real Presence Radio. I'm your host, Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joseph Holcraft. And uh, we're just going to pick up right where we left off because <laughs> there, there, there was some great conversation there. And Joe, you just got done really finishing the groundwork, if you will, so that we can really understand more the context of Jesus' question, for if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? And this, this, is a, this is a challenging question uh, for, for all of us. And, all of us, and, and Jesus, go, he does not hold back, Joe, because the very next line he says is, do not the tax collectors do the same. You know, and if you're a tax collector in that space where he's talking, boom. <laughs> you know, it's one of those, yeah. it's a little yeah. bit of an ouch, but at the same time, it's not avoding the elephant in the living room, right? At that time, the tax collectors were not liked. In many ways, they were hated, despised. Um, why ignore the elephant in the living room? Let's acknowledge it. Not only for those who hate the tax collectors, many of which were faithful Jews, right? And so, uh, and just as you, as you, right, you ended right before we took the break, very much like, okay, you're going to adhere to the letter of the law, but then what we're really getting at and what Jesus is really getting at is, you know, we can abide by the letter of the law, but for it to be authenticated, to, uh, to be authentic, if you really want to be a faithful son of God, as you said, the sonship of the Father, well, then we need to come to know and understand the heart of the law and then embody the heart of the law. Um, and, this, and this is, I feel like this is where we're picking up, Joe. Um, this is where we're picking up where you left off. Yeah. I mean, what does Jesus say on the cross? But Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mark, this is a radical, radical love. He is praying for those who have sent him to the cross. And so he becomes really in that moment, and this is why we hang crucifixes in our rooms, right? The icon of the heights of Christian love that he says to us, <laughs> enough is never enough until it gives everything. This this is love, right? Um, and, and I say he's the icon of Christian love because he laid it out here in these verses. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is what he did, Mark. <laughs> Father, forgive them for they know not what you do. Right? This This is the essence of divine sonship. And this is what we are called to share and participate in. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus says that you may be children of God. That, that you may be children of God. So what did Jesus just do? By virtue of our baptism, Mark, we are sons and daughters of God. And as Romans 8 verses 15 and following remind us, as we cry, Abba, Father, we claim this sonship every time. Jesus wants us to claim this sonship and put it into action, wants us to put this sonship into action by praying for those who persecute us, by praying for the very person that, quite frankly, is the last person you want to pray for. This is what Jesus does, just doesn't teach in chapter 5, right, of the Gospel of Matthew, the Son on the Mount, but he illustrates for us beautifully on the cross. He hasn't come to a abol- the law, but fulfill it. And this is what he does on the cross, Mark. 
And this is why, again, we hang those crucifixes on our walls because we are made to contemplate in our prayer what it means to be a son or daughter of God. Do we want to be called a child of God? Do we want to inherit the kingdom of God? If we do, Jesus just said, we need to pray for that one person who you least want to pray for. And let's be honest, Mark. I don't know anyone who finds this passage easy. Well, in Joe, fact, I know. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. I was just going to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I was just going to say. I know many people, including myself, that that struggle with this passage, and it's it's a kind of barometer, a litmus test mark for me, because if I get frustrated with just not something but someone, the good Lord says, um, "Joe, Joe." Uh, Matthew 5, verse 46, <clears throat> you know, uh, pay attention. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, God. But every time, you know, I look up and I, and I see the crucifix, I'm reminded of, of these verses, Mark, because it's a great challenge. And it really draws out where we're at in our sonship. It's easy. Jesus just said it. Oh, it's easy to love those who love you. And, and, and not to say that we're not supposed to. Obviously, we are. But again, Mark, he wants us to go deeper. He wants us to go deeper. And, and, and this is this is what we're talking about here. Well, and, and it's something that is so important for our, our own reflection. It's not just reflection, you know, to, but to have it go, to have it move from the head to the heart. And so to make sense of this. And it's one thing, Joe, you know, here we are. We're talking in our respective studios. We can have the conversation. Uh, great conversation. Love it. Our listeners are tuning in. You know, and, and we can maybe be inspired in the comforts of our own home and the comforts of our leather seated vehicle, uh, where we're not maybe experiencing too much suffering, you know, and, and yet it was when Jesus was on the cross that he was interceding. It was when he was in the thick and midst of his anguish and pain that he's praying for his enemies. You know, it is one thing. It's, and yet, so, so it's another thing. We could even be at our churches sitting in our pews that are heated and warm while it's cold outside as we hit winter here. And yet, okay, let's, let's dig deeper. And this is what you're saying as we come to engage this reality. Okay. <laughs> we are being challenged. Do not the tax collectors do the same. What recompense will you have if you only love those who love you? So we're being called out. Love those that hate you, that despise you. Um, Joe, we were talking about this, you and I, uh, leading up to this show. The, this has consequences, and there's no bones about that. And yet, if to be truly called you know, a son of God, to walk in the faith, to walk in the light, what does that mean? Uh, it means all kinds of things. And then we talked about this, even on, on a political scale, which the Jewish people were well aware of the political, not just schemes and, and dynamics of the time, uh, insert inside the church, outside the church, within, uh, the, the civil community, civic community, outside the civic community, uh, always at work. Well, gosh, that's not changed. How many conversations have we been privy to where, you know, last, we could point to the last election. There are people who love Trump. There are people who hate Trump. Uh, do not like them. There are a lot of people. There are people who love Biden. They there are people who cannot stand Biden, and yet we are confronted right here with the gospel truth. What good is it if you just love those who love you? This is rubbing people right, not right now the wrong way, Joe. 
there are people who might be feeling really challenged to hear this, but in, but Jesus sure. does not shy away. Um, and, and again, Joe, and, and that's just, that's just one example. There's all kinds of examples. It's not just, this isn't just a political thing. It's, this is too true and broad to just narrow it down to just one thing. And that's the point of it being principled, huh? Yeah, it is, Mark. And as, as you're saying that, it is worth saying this, that if you're reading this in the first century, probably the first thing you're thinking about are the Roman oppressors. Right. So while it's just not political, I would suggest this, that especially in the 21st century here, uh, there is a political context and 2,000 years later, this hasn't changed. Right. And the reason why I, I, I kind of um, put an emphasis on this, Mark, is because I would venture to guess, and this is just based on the conversations I've had, that when you think about the person who you struggle with most, you, you offered up the names of Trump and Biden. Those are two political names. That is often where people go. Now, when they really sit with it, maybe if someone's gossiping about them, they're going to be frustrated at this person or that person. Maybe it's a sibling or maybe it's a friend. I don't know. But it's not – it would not be, and I I don't think it is uncommon for someone to think about a political – a quote-unquote political oppressor or however they interpret that. So how do you work through that? Not only pray for them, which as we spent, gosh, Mark, how many weeks exploring, this just – this just isn't cliche stuff, right? Exactly. We, we pray not to change God's mind, but to bring fruition what's in God's mind. And his mind is ordered to the ultimate good, right? So the ultimate good of every single human being is salvation. And so by virtue of you, me, and the listening audience, Mark, praying more, whoever it is that we are praying for, by the grace of God, will know salvation. Um but also, Mark, note this. What else does, does Jesus say? Just don't pray for them, but also greet them, right? So we have to be able to greet those who persecute us as well. And so there's a, the, there's a whole dimension of turning our lives over so as to better enter into this, this dynamism of love. Well, and, and Joe, as you were talking, I was reminded of the witness of saints, Felicity and Perpetua. You know, they're often mm. invoked in the, um, the Eucharistic prayers of the Mass, because these were two women, you know, you spoke of the uh, Roman oppressors. So toward the end of the Roman Empire, these are two great women that were martyrs and saints of the church, that they made this transition of suffering and sacrifice because of their love of the faith, and it turned into a joy. And, and I would use a phrase, an existential joy, that it wasn't just, it wasn't just for others to see but it was what reigned in their heart. So how can this suffering and sacrifice be turned into a joy? I, Joe, I was just spending, I spent the last couple of days with a priest friend of mine that a lot of our listeners will know and recognize, Father Jason Leffer. And we were talking about some of this in regards to existential joy, because that's, that is what is contagious and so attractive, you know, mm-hmm. in, in regards to, you know, uh, being drawn to the faith and the witness of the faith. And what is it about them that's different? What, how has that moved from the head to the heart, just from a head knowledge to a knowledge of the heart? You know, what Jesus is saying, you know, it's not just the letter of the law, but that you would, in, a, in essence, be, be in the law uh, so that you would know. And so I've come full circle so that your arrow would hit the mark. 
mm-hmm. right? And so representing mm-hmm. that, that yeah. relationship, representing that right relationship. And so I'm just reminded of, of the example of those two beautiful women, because this is, I feel like an, an, another outgrowth of what we're talking about, Joe, in regards to uh, this law of love, this law of yeah. love that we're discussing tied to this question for if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? We get bogged down. We're so ready to say, and Joe, I know you wanted to say a few words about this. We're so ready to say, but you know, but you don't know what they did to me, but you don't know this. Yeah. You don't know yeah. the injustice and this whole word. And I, w- I want you to spend some time. I want to spend some time on it too. But in regards to the word, if, for if yeah. you love those who love you, and I know we don't, you know, we only have about five minutes before our next break, but sure. even in the next five minutes, because and then the next line, and if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So this is a big if. Yeah, it is, because ultimately what it does then is it reminds us of our free will. Mark, it's it's Philippians 2, verse 12, right? This call we have to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We have not been guaranteed salvation. Now, some would suggest otherwise, but that, that is not the gospel message. We have to work it out in fear and trembling. And as we do, we do so by first claiming our sonship and then looking at that. Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI says, to live fundamentally as a Christian and as a Catholic is to uh, worship the one true God, God contemplate his holy face, and then (laughs) to go forth evangelizing and loving the poor. There is where we meet Jesus, right? So he is saying, go forth. The thing that is, is (laughs) we can choose to not go forth. We can choose to do whatever we want to do, to do our own thing, to do our own will, right? So the if is a reminder, Mark, that Ultimately, in the end, because God is love, he cannot force, coerce, or browbeat us <laughs> right, into yeah. this, this Christian and Catholic he wants to be. No, it's something that comes from within. We must freely choose. Jackie doesn't make me love her, right? I freely choose to love her, and she wouldn't want me to do that. No one would want, <laughs> to, no one would want someone to love them for the sake of loving them. And by that, I mean no one would want them to love them um, for a reason outside of something that comes from within. Right? So God is love. And as he is, it's the clearest picture, Mark, for us to better understand free will. Because God is love, he gives us a choice. And by virtue of choosing to love, that is how we glorify God. And so if, if you pray for those who persecute you. If you greet your brother or sister who you struggle with in the name of Jesus Christ, in this existential joy that you talk about, Mark. Uh, Benedict also adds in his infancy reflections that when the angel Gabriel comes to Our Lady in that great angelic salutation, what does he say but rejoice? Joy is the first proclamation of the New Testament. So, well, in light of that, let us go forward in this existential joy, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we invite the Holy Spirit into our souls and into our lives. And the more we live according to the will of God, we will know that true joy. And guess what, Mark? That joy has a way of evangelizing. Just just not those souls who, who are, are not in relationship with Jesus Christ, but also just 
maybe souls who are, but who are just struggling, right? Joy evangelizes, and it, it, it also disarms Mark, right? It, it has a way of inviting those around us to share uh, in, in the very thing that you're sharing in, which is the, the inner life of God. It's so when you talk about this quality of if, you have to kind of turn that around and say, okay, what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, that we have a decision to make. Right? We can choose for God or against God. We can choose the evil or the good. Uh, and, and so we have to, um, of course, the, the good being for God. <laughs> we have to make <laughs> sure funny. we are we have to make sure we are understanding this for what it is. Um, and ultimately, you know, the good Lord lays down a challenge before us in, in these questions. And I don't want to overstate the importance of, of those last two questions, Mark. Uh, certainly we have paid a lot of attention to the importance of, of, of loving those who, who don't love us, but at the same time, the importance of uh, greeting those who, who persecute us, which is to say, engage them and, and do so as you speak to it in this, this existential joy. And, and you know, I, not to belabor the point, and yet just the acknowledgement, nowhere in here did Jesus say, is this easy? Nowhere to say, is it easy or that it's going to go without effort? Uh, it Amen. is hard. And in many ways, depending how we have formed our mind and how we have formed our heart, it might be even harder for some of us to, to encounter somebody that, you know, whether objectively true or totally subjectively from our own opinions and the opinions of others that have fostered a sense in us that we just dislike somebody for whatever the reason, Jesus is just calling us out. Be present to that person, engage them, stand out amongst the rest. Essentially, this is what it means to be Christian, so be Christian. Joe, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, more to wrap up some of this conversation, because I think we just need to, we need to wrap it up a little bit, but then also to look to the example uh, of a great man in St. Juan Diego, a humble man, and I, and I think that's there's just so much there. So stay with us on Awakening. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. You're joining Mark Holcraft and Dr. Joseph Holcraft. We have been uh, talking about, uh, frankly, love of enemies. Let's just get straight to the point, huh? (laughs) Uh, Love of enemies and the reality behind it that it is hard, uh, but Jesus does not deter from it. He does not shy away. He doesn't step back or hold back or apologize for it. He invites us into this Catholic life, this beautiful Catholic life, knowing what's on the other side of what sometimes is very hard. Uh, and what's on the other side of that is, is a joy, a joy and a love and a peace. Um, but Joe, to, to kind of bring to uh, a bit of an end some, some of what we've been discussing, you know, you had mentioned just before the break, you know, we spent more time 
on you know of these questions from Jesus from Matthew five verse forty six for if you love those who love you but then also the importance of if you greet your brothers if you greet those who only only those who know you what good is there yeah. in that um, yeah I'd love to hear more of what you're thinking. Yeah, no matter what we do, Mark, or where we go, there are always going to be people who we who we do not know, who we meet that we do not know. And by that, I mean, I'm just thinking about today, right? Today, I I went to the bank, I went to the grocery store, I uh, dropped some kids off at point A and, and point B, and I probably engaged or encountered five or six people that I did not know. And so the good Lord is saying, greet them in the name of Jesus Christ, right? And greet them in my name. And so we have to be present to this reality. Now, this also means um, being willing and, and open to engaging those who, who you struggle with as well. And so this is, you, you said, Mark, um, work. Yeah, it, it is hard and it's, it's hard work. But as you also said, what happens if you are genuinely working in and through this is that the very thing that you find most difficult is the very thing that brings you joy. And I know that might, might be a subtle point, but the reality is it's true. It's true. And this is why St. Paul can claim that our trials, persecutions, and sufferings can become a joy. Because if in the end, this is what God is calling you to do, then no doubt the Lord of joy will fill you up with his goodness and his grace. Um, and if you haven't experienced this, um, pray for this grace and be assured that God will, will not hold back. God will not hold back. And, and so very important there. The other thing, Mark, before we jump into Juan Diego, is that last verse, be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect. Be whole as my father in heaven is whole. So Jesus just laid out there a prescription, if you will, for holiness. Uh, there's always a gap between the person we are and the person we ought to be. And if we want to live in that gap, moving towards the person we ought to be, then Jesus, Jesus just laid out how we do it. If you want to become more of who God is calling you to be, uh, a better version of Mark for myself, a better version of Joe, and if you're a listener, you know, a better version of whomever you are, uh, stay claim to these verses because it'll get you there. And as I say that, really the whole Sermon on the Mount, it, it, the, the whole Sermon on the Mount is the law of the New Testament. And if you live according to those words, indeed, you will be you will be uh, on the mark, hitting bullseye. You will have set your bow to, to hit bullseye. And, and for this, we reflect and we pray because it's, it's worth our, our while. It's worth our time. And Joe, I want to just to share a story because it's um, this has been in my mind as we've been diving into the scripture and as we've been talking. But because I, I think sometimes, like when I first read the scripture, Joe, uh, in preparation today, what I initially latched on to was for if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors. And then he goes on, and if you greet your brothers only, what in you, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans. And say, I latched onto the word pagan. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But I don't think that was necessarily, that's not where the Lord's going, but really the Lord's just acknowledging uh, that was a really, that, that was a rather prevalent part uh, of a subculture. Uh, I, I don't even know if saying subculture is the right way is as, as much as many of the people in ancient Rome or in just in, in the ancient Mediterranean area, like pagan was not an unusual thing. You know, that, that was a lot of the people, whether they believed in many gods, uh, not one God. Wait, 
I think sometimes we can latch onto that because it seems so foreign to us. Um, it's not, it's not as foreign as we think. I don't think maybe we just don't use that same word pagan, uh, because yeah. in our, in our, in our yeah. day, uh, maybe it's politically incorrect or whatnot. My story, when I lived in Cincinnati, Joe, uh, our neighbor, uh, when we met him, uh, you know, introducing ourselves, his name is Jeff, uh, and Jeff said, what do you do? And so well, I, I work for a Catholic missionary, uh, so, you know, we're Catholic and, you know, how about you? What are you up to? What do you do? And he just said what he did for a job, but then he went on to say, I'm pagan. I, I had never been, no one has ever hmm. introduced themselves to me so upfront as pagan. Hmm. There is, there is no shame. So it hmm. was a learning lesson for me. What evolved was a relationship, frankly, of someone I came to respect very much. Sure. I came to respect sure. very much. One, because there was no shame in it. This is what we believe. I'm pagan and it was, it was a fascinating, led to fascinating conversations. But what was so interesting, and I want to come uh, almost full circle again, because we started off our conversation this morning, we're talking about the law and the law of love, you know, and the law of love, a very quick summary, right, of our conversation this morning. But in regards to the law, uh, while this gentleman uh, referred to himself as a pagan, he also deferred to natural law. And he just, he had not really considered that natural law would be rooted in a godliness and in God's creation and sense of order. Hmm. So we had, we hmm. had many conversations regarding this and it ended up being, so the kind our, our basis, our common ground in a certain sense to start started from natural law. We discussed all kinds of modern day situations, scenarios, maybe not in, not necessarily just modern day, whether it came to challenges and thoughts regarding the LGBTQ uh, culture, uh, regarding abortion, regarding all these things that are uh, the issues of our day, Mm -hmm. um, where he was coming from. But we always were able to defer to natural law as a starting point. And it ended Mm up, he started growing in a respect for the Catholic faith that he had never had. He grew up as an evangelical, Mm -hmm. all these things. But this sense of law, we were yeah. able to defer to a law that led ourselves to genuinely, and this is tying right into uh, the scripture verse, it led to a genuine sense of care for our brother. Mm-hmm. And it all yeah. started with, you know, if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual? I could have said, I'm not interested in engaging Jeff. I don't think he'll be good for my wife and kids. I don't know. But what really ended up happening is we grew to have a care for each other's kids. Uh, we grew to respect each other, where we were at, how we understood, but on some level working towards something, what he would come to openly admit was, was heaven, you know? And so an incredible conversation, but I think, and, and I, I share that story just for our listeners, hopefully with the, with the, with the sense of hope, you never know when you step out in faith uh, and confidence, confidence in Jesus. It wasn't confidence in me in this case, but just a confidence in Jesus just to be who you are. And this is what, to be the best version of yourself, Joe, this is what you're addressing. You know, it's a great quote from Matthew Kelly. He's kind of popularized that phrase to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in that, in that regard, I just share that as a point of, as a point of reference, what it can look like. Not everyone is going to be so bold as to say, I am pagan. Um, but they yeah. might give every definition of what that, what a pagan mm. might look like in our day. Yeah. Um, and so to step yeah. in courage and just as, 
what is on the other side of that? Well, there was a great joy. Yeah. Uh, and, and a brotherhood started to be formed that was really rooted in Christ, even if he didn't necessarily know that language. Yeah. You know, and to the point that when we left, uh, we were at a point that he was considering the idea of what would it be like to be Catholic. I don't know mm-hmm. what the Lord has done in his life. We, we've talked to each other since a couple of times, but my point being, we just, and we leave that to the Lord. The yeah. Lord's going to do as long as we're trying to, as long as we're really trying to stay faithful. Joe, we, we see this great witness uh, in St. Juan Diego, huh? And I think, just to jump we right do. into him. Yeah, no, we, we do, Mark. And um, with that segue, a couple points. The first of which, you know, why does Jesus use the word pagan? Because certainly it's intentional. He wouldn't say it otherwise, right? It's simply because the, you know, the, the, the faithful Israelites, and by faith, mean faithful to the letter of the law, saw themselves very distant from the pagan world, right? Because by definition, a pagan is, is to believe in another religion other than your own, specific to, in this case, of course, the one true God, and to the pagan, you know, those who would worship on Mount Gerizim and, and, and Samaria and worship, you know, God's ball and, and all the rest. Uh, so he, he's saying, you know, you distance yourself from the pagan, but in the end, how different really are you? That that's the question he's 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 saying there, and as you share your story, Mark, and and as we talk about Saint Juan Diego, uh, there's a direct correlation because let us remember when you talk about uh, Juan Diego, you're talking about what, but then also Our Lady of Guadalupe. You can't separate the one from the other. That being said, you know, we don't have time necessarily to get into the vision and into and, and the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe right now. Uh, and that's OK, because <laughs> it, it, St. Juan Diego, Juan Diego did not become a saint because he saw Our Lady. Right. <laughs> right. right. Or he, he, he had this this um, he he gave this tilma to to uh, Bishop Zamoraga. That's not why he's a saint. He's a saint because, Mark, he was willing to first and foremost worship the one true God, right? As we were talking earlier, that's where it Absolutely. always starts. Well, going but to daily mass from, and walking miles to get to mass. Yeah, walking, yeah. yes, walking great distances, which in of itself, right, I do, I do think is a mark of a very holy man. There's things within the story of the vision of Our Lady of Guadalupe on Tepeyakil that do suggest a profound holiness, uh, no doubt. But the thing I want to highlight, Mark, really is that he was a man, a, a faithful Catholic, in a time when it was very unpopular. Our Lady of Guadalupe, this vision brought about an estimated 9 million conversions, right? Nine Over 9 million conversions uh, to the way of Christianity, to the way of Catholicism. Uh, he spoke to the what kind of world? Pagan world. Right? He was a part of that a conversion narrative that we are all so familiar with, with respect to our, our Lady of Guadalupe. No doubt the vision itself and what's in, what was divinely inscribed on that tilma had a lot to do with the millions of conversions. But be rest assured, Juan Diego emerged as just not a simple and humble Indian as John Paul II would speak to him so eloquently, but as he would also say during the 
during his homily and his canonization that we that he was a compassionate catechist speaking the truths of Jesus Christ to those who were de- desiring to know the one true God better. So, Mark, here you have a man who was, yes, humble, yes, very simple, and one who was uh, um, persistent in his willingness to, to go beyond the norm so as to evangelize and catechize um, the people who were now desiring to better understand this God who is revealing himself to them, right? Uh, people needed to be educated. People needed to better understand what this language of love was all about. And who better to do that than, than this simple, humble Indian? Uh, St. John Paul II beautifully would speak to him as um, a representative of, of this, the, the 64 indigenous groups that were present at, as his canonization, that there is a potential he would say to each and every one of you, and again, he's speaking to 64 different indigenous groups, to become a saint. Follow the example of this man, Juan Diego, who lived, yeah, maybe 500 years ago, but still remains an icon for each and every one of you into how to do it, to love without condition, right? We were talking earlier, Mark, about the word if. Uh, when the angel Mary greeted uh, um or when the angel, when the angel Gabriel greeted Mary, she did not say, well, I'll do this if dot, dot, dot. No, she just said, let it be done unto me. Right. Which when you translate that in the Greek is, is actually a, a, a robust. Yes. It's really interesting to translate that Greek. St. Juan Diego, right. When you study his life uh, has that same fervor. You read of that same fervor, Mark. Uh, there was no if, there was just, show me what you want me to do, and I will do it. I will serve the poor. He was known as a radical servant of the poor. As I've already noted, he was known as a compassionate, as John Paul II would call him, a compassionate catechist. He was willing to do whatever was necessary, never bound by by the if, right? I'll do this if. No, he understood that there was a choice before him. And he responded accordingly to the will of God. And, and for this, he is a shining example, Mark, of, of what we're talking about today. And, and, and we do this certainly, too, with a mind's eye, of, uh, with a mind's eye towards tomorrow, his, his great feast day. Well, Joe, one of the things I want to touch on, too. So his, the last line of the scripture passage we've been looking at is, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Verse 48 of chapter 5. And... One of the things that stands out to me about that it's it's a, it's it's a calling to be perfect, but really to be perfected, to be made whole. He's not saying you are perfect. He's saying be perfected by allowing allowing yourself to be perfected. And we see this in Juan Diego. You know, there's a great story, and I'm actually reminded of it because earlier you said it was ever so quickly in regards to your relationship with God. There's times when you can just hear God saying to you, Joe, Joe, yeah, Matthew yeah, five. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a great there's a great a line in here. Well, Juan Diego, one of the experiences he had when Mary was first appearing on Tepeyac Hill to get his attention because he saw her, but he was like, what is going on? So the, you know, some of the human faculties were, <laughs> you know, he's, he's blown away. And so uh, his first response at one point was just to kind of be, uh, well, let me see if I can go around the hill. And, and what does our lady do? Doesn't shame him or anything, but rather goes, Juanito, 
Omanito, just a very mother loving, lovingly reaching out to her son to what? Well, to participate in God's grand plan, as you shared, Joe, 9 million converted souls. And that, you know, we need to bring our show to an end, but I I think uh, something that's standing out as you're talking about Juan Diego, his participation was his yes and his faithfulness. That's that, that, again, we see in the saint just trying to be faithful and obedient. But in a culture that really, I mean, gosh, Aztec culture was very harsh, uh, sacrificing children. Well, what's something that we can look at now? What do we yeah. see in a culture yeah. that has placed a high value through abortion, sacrificing children? And, but it gives us, Juan Diego gives us hope. And, and of course, Our Lady, Our Lady Guadalupe. But these two, as you said, you can't associate, we don't know Juan Diego without Our Lady. We don't really know much about Our Lady Guadalupe, but really without Juan Diego. And so this is maybe a call for us and a, a reminder, a great reminder for us through the intercession of Juan Diego to call upon Our Lady to change our culture by changing the hearts. Again, Joe, full circle, not just the head, not just the law, but the, the heart of the law. Um, mm-hmm. So for us, this is a great reminder. Joe, we need to bring our show to an end. Uh, thanks. Thanks for, Joe, thanks for joining Thank you, us. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good having yeah. you. No, it's, it's great. It's great to, to just reflect on the faith, reflect upon the faith with you, Mark, as always, for sure. Awesome. And for our listeners, God bless you. Have a great feast day or solemnity today, but also have a great feast day tomorrow with St. Juan Diego. St. Juan Diego, pray for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.